0: Furthermore, the equation E is equal
1: to mc squared. And uh, here's the discovery. I'm going
0: to make him an offer again. Welcome, valuable PhD, to another Cheeky Scientist radio show. As always, you can join us for our next live show on our Facebook page where we stream the show live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just go to facebook.com forward slash mycheekyscientist. We also stream the show live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our Cheeky Scientist YouTube page. This is the radio show for PhDs who want to excel in industry. If you want to learn more about Cheeky Scientist or our program, the Cheeky Scientist Association, you can go to phdsgethired.com, just enter your name and email address, and we will send you all of our free materials about transitioning into industry. What is the Cheeky Scientist Association? It is the world's largest training program for PhDs by PhDs that includes a complete blueprint of how to transition into industry and a private job referral network only of PhDs in industry and transitioning into industry. If you already have an industry job or if you want to learn more about developing your business acumen for industry, you can learn about our Scientist MBA Advanced Program at PhDsGetHired.com. We have another great show lined up for you today, so we're going to jump in now. <laughs> I'm going to jump into the show me the data section because I'm very excited about today. I love talking about negotiating, deal making, especially as PhDs. It's something we have very little experience with, in terms of formal negotiation. But of course, day to day, your life is a negotiation, right? Whether you're negotiating time off with your PI, yeah, right, good luck. Uh, or if you're negotiating, you know, something else at home, right? You have some sort of power struggle with maybe your kids or with somebody else, a friend, right? All of it's really a negotiation. And the more you learn about negotiation, the better you're going to be off, not just in your career, but in your life. I'm curious, how many of you on here have never negotiated your salary or anything really tied to your career, like time off, et cetera? You're basically just followed whatever rules you were given, right? Like in your lab, right? You you probably just followed the whatever 15 days you're supposed to get off. Most of you, Bruno, uh, Bruna says me, Edson says me, Maria says me. George says me as well. Most of us just simply don't do it. And so I'm going to turn to a section here called show me the data where we actually go through some data. We'll look at things like infographics, et cetera. I'm going to describe them thoroughly for people who are listening by audio only. Um, One thing that's very important for you to understand is that you'll see these statistics vary, but the overall message is is that most people don't negotiate. This is an article from Small Biz Trends. Uh, we'll put the link in the chat box in the show notes. Only 39% of employees want to negotiate their salary. Most people don't want to. I like that language. That word is important, want to. Right? It's not that they don't do it. They don't even want to do it because it's uncomfortable. However, wouldn't you rather get a little bit uncomfortable? I mean, going to an interview is uncomfortable, and most people go to the interview, and that's it. And they said, I've had enough. This job search process has been too difficult, too long. I don't want to negotiate. I just want the job. Okay. But you have to negotiate because it makes a huge difference. And when I show you, I'm going to show you this figure in just a second, that's going to blow your mind in terms of how much money you're giving up if you don't negotiate. Okay. Uh, so there was a survey of 2700 workers. So 2700 workers. That's a, that's a good sample size for one of these surveys across 27 different cities, um, people that were aged 18 to 55 plus, And what they found was, is that only 39% of workers even tried to negotiate their salary, right? Even tried to negotiate it. Most people will not do it. So if you're feeling like you don't want to negotiate, you're not alone. That's normal. You have to overcome that. I like this. This is a breakdown by city. People are very likely to negotiate in cities such as New York, Dallas, and San Francisco. Very unlikely in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, Raleigh, Denver, etc. So what this shows is, is that it, it depends on where you're at. Some people, some cities some cultures some countries negotiation will be more prevalent others it'll be less prevalent however whatever country you're in whatever city you're in you should be negotiating okay everybody negotiates it's like saying okay is there a country out there a city is there people in the world that don't make deals no they all make deals you've heard the phrase everything is negotiable it absolutely is and when we bring don asher on he's going to talk more about this because he has international experience and so if you're looking for an excuse not to negotiate, and really that's what a lot of us do as PhDs, we think, well, I'm from this country that doesn't really negotiate. That's a lie. Every country, especially for the jobs that you're, you guys are looking for at international firms, they're doing deals internationally. They're negotiating. You have to be able to negotiate, and companies want you to negotiate, and I'm going to show you data on that in a second, too. So, this next figure that i 'm looking at it says percentage of workers who tried to negotiate higher pay in their last job offer by gender and age and there 's some interesting trends here, okay so men are more likely to negotiate again, so if you 're a woman, you need to realize that it might be a little bit tougher for you to want to negotiate, you need to get support whether it 's in the association or elsewhere because you do need to negotiate okay um, as far as age goes who 's most likely to negotiate. Uh, right around the, the age of 35 to 54, and uh, really 18 to 54 are more likely to negotiate. People that are a bit older were not likely to negotiate, okay, which is which is funny, right? So they get a little bit older and you get less likely um, to challenge yourself. Why does this matter? Because we have a lot of people who have been in academia for a, a long time. I think we had somebody who was in academia for 18 years. I think that's our record before getting into industry. So if you're a little bit older too, realize that you might be a little bit more reluctant to negotiate, but you need to. Okay. You need to negotiate. Uh, Last figure here is from the Oregon Institute of Technology. Um, This is a figure that's, it's not easy to see, but there's some great data here. Again, it shows the same thing that men are more likely to negotiate. Women are less likely. Um, 74% of employers have room to increase Their first offer, I'm going to read that again, 74% of employers have room to increase their first offer. What does that mean? It means that no matter how much you think that the offer they're giving you is final, no matter how many excuses go through your head about why you should not negotiate, they have more room to pay you more, okay? And a lot of them want to pay you more. I'm going to to talk about that more in a second. 90% of employers have never retracted an offer because of an entry-level candidate trying to negotiate. I'm going to say that again. I paused for effect. All right. 90% of employers have never retracted an offer. You're more likely to have an employer look down on you if you don't negotiate than if you do. And I have more data to back this up as well. How common is salary negotiation for new grads? Again, not common. Okay. Not common. I'm going to move on. I'm going to show some more data. This is the figure that I love. Okay. I'm going to explain it to you if you're listening by audio only. The title is you will lose out on millions of dollars actually it's actually about a million dollars depending on what your starting salary is uh, by not negotiating. So something we talk about a lot with negotiating and the reason to do it is that it establishes your salary trajectory. Okay. A lot of us think about our career trajectory in terms of our job titles, et cetera, but you don't think about it in terms of our salary trajectory. This is in business insider and it gives a great example here. Okay. So Jim accepts $45,000 salary, right? 45,000. He receives a 1% raise each year about average. It's, it's a little bit higher depending on what country and city and stuff you're in, but you'll usually receive a little bit of a, you know, every year, every 12 months, a little bit of a raise. It's just accounting for that. Jane negotiates 50,000, only $5,000 more, right? So about 10% more, which is very, very common to do um, when you're negotiating, especially your first job in industry. She receives that same, one, same 1% raise, um, every year. But every three years, she negotiates 4% higher, which is not a crazy amount when you've been in a company for, four, uh, for three years. And if you go to another company, you can actually negotiate even higher. Usually it's harder to negotiate higher for a promotion at the same company you're with. Now look at this chart. So Jim, who didn't negotiate, right? At the end of his career, so like in 45 years, the pay gap will be 43,616 dollars, right? in just in the, what they're making year over year. After just five years, the gap is already $6,816. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I can do without the 6,000 every year because negotiations that uncomfortable for me. But if you add all of this up, so if you add up all the extra money that Jane is making every year together over the course of Jim's career, he's going to make $1,037,773 less Jane. That is insane, right? That is insane, right? Like Alejandro said, if that doesn't convince you to negotiate, nothing will. And as PhDs getting your first industry job, which most of you will be, it is the best and most important time to negotiate because it will set your salary trajectory. We talk a lot about how employers in most cities and most countries can call your previous employer and they can check on your starting and ending job title, your starting and ending dates, and your starting and ending salary. Either way, they will find it out, okay? And once they find it out, once you have an industry job, they're going to anchor to that number that you were paid previously. You're in a great position now do you, where you don't have a real salary. That's why we always say don't ever say you have a real salary. Even if they ask you, say, well, I'm on a fellowship. And I like to use the language of getting reimbursed. Well, the government reimburses me X amount every month, right? Don't even let, it, let them equate whatever you're getting for your postdoc Or your graduate student stipend as a salary. It's a stipend or a fellowship and you're getting reimbursed from the government. Tell them the monthly amount. Don't tell them the annual amount. Those are huge insights that will help you negotiating your first position here. Some other data here from CNBC and journals.plus.org showing what we've talked about before is that Women are less likely to negotiate, so you really need to get support to do, do this. You need to overcome that imposter syndrome. You're absolutely worth it. Um, workers who make more are more likely to negotiate, right? So, it, again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It snowballs. Once you negotiate for a higher salary, it becomes easier to negotiate. Next time, as you're paid more, you're most likely to negotiate because why? You know your value, okay? People who know their value are the ones who get paid more, who are treated better, um, who ask for their value. Uh, let's see here. A couple of graphs here. This is, these are more scientific graphs. This is in uh, journals.plos.org and basically showing that you can use your negotiation nerves for good, right? So if you are nervous, you have a little bit of anxiety, that's good. It means that you're doing what's right. So this talks about the negative effect. So it says that at your anxiety can mitigate the negative effect of cortisol increases on performance outcomes. Um, It can actually reverse it in some cases. It says participants with high cortisol responses who appraised their anxiety as beneficial performed better in the negotiation and walked away with higher salaries. Often we think that being anxious or being stressed is bad. It actually can, we've heard, you know, you've heard this. If you turn it around and you see it as beneficial and realize that it's just energy, it's just your nerves are energy. You just have to channel it positively. I always like the saying, you know, if you have butterflies in your stomach, just get them all flying in the right direction. In this case, negotiating for what you are worth. View yourself through the eyes of a friend and feel worthy of a higher salary. I love this strategy, right? It's, when we have all of our own emotions going on, like during a negotiation, it's very hard for us to be logical. Yet if a friend asks us for advice in the exact same situation, it's very easy for us to be logical, right? Think about something that you've gone through that's been difficult in the past and it was really hard for you, and then maybe recently you had a friend ask you about advice on what to do because you had been through it, and it was very easy for you. You're like, just do this. It's simple. A and B, right? Black and white. But when you were going through, it was very hard for you to see through that because you were clouded with emotions. Negotiation is the same way, so ask for help. In the association, if you go to the search bar in the private group and type in negotiation, you will see so many stories of people asking for help for negotiation, um, how they did it. And, and, and very often how it worked out positively. Some, in some cases, they asked an open-ended question, which we're going to talk more about with Don, and they received a, a 5000 $10,000 increase in their salary right away. So don't isolate yourself. Get into the group. Ask people what you should do. Tell them what's going on. Get advice because we're going to be able to see clearly because we're not clouded by the emotions of being on the edge of finally securing our first job in industry. Okay, um, some of the other some of the data here talks about people, especially women, are more likely to request a higher salary when negotiating for a friend than when negotiating for themselves. Right? For these same reasons I've been talking about, according to this study, women ask for seven thousand more for a friend than for themselves. Okay, and men ask for two thousand dollars more. Right because I, I mean, as a man, I care less about my friends. Just kidding. But it is a pretty big difference in the numbers, right? 7,000 versus 2,000. Either way, both people are asking more for their friends than for themselves. It's a great way to cut through the emotion. Ask yourself this, right? What would you tell a friend? Really will really help you stay logical. Um, things to consider when negotiating a higher starting salary. There's a great article at Grad School Hub. You'll wanna check it out here. Let me see if I can make this figure a bit bigger. What it shows here, again, same trends that we've been talking about, right? It's only 39% uh, negotiate, fewer women negotiate, and um, when it comes to negotiating their, their starting salary, sometimes the, the number is as low as 7%. That's the one that we saw from the Harvard Business Review that we talk about a lot, and that's in the materials. It's very low, so again, I wanna encourage, especially women, you must negotiate, know your value, ask the group, get support, very, very important. Very excited to have Don. So, Don has single handedly made a lot of you, even some of you listening tens of thousands of dollars. His video is the most watched video out of all of the trainings in the association. It's usually when you get an offer and you start freaking out. You're like, okay, how do I negotiate? I need to pay attention to this now. And you watch Don's video. And amazingly, it just, everything works like clockwork. I can't tell you how many posts have come in the association when they said, I watched Don's video. I did exactly X, Y, Z. It worked perfectly. You have to watch this video in full take notes. It's amazing. There's nobody that's better at negotiating than Don. Don is an internationally recognized author and speaker on the topics of careers and higher education. Um, In America, he's well known as America's job search guru. Um, he, He assists C level executives, right? So C level, what does that mean? CEO, right? CFO people in high powered positions. Um, He helps them with their career transitions. He also works with a lot of MBAs and graduate programs nationwide. He recently got his PhD. So you can congratulate Don in the chat box. He works with a lot of PhDs now. Hey, Don. Uh, He recently served as the content architect for Elites Optimization Services, EOS, providing career development to Olympic athletes. His career books include The Groundbreaking, Cracking the Hidden Job Market, Guys, you gotta check out that book, Cracking the Hidden Job Market, it's great. Um, He also has written The Overnight Resume, How to Get Any Job, Who Gets Promoted, um, uh, named Career Management Book of the Year, that one Who Gets Promoted, I think it was recently updated. Great, great book too, check out that one. Um, When you register your accepted job offer at Columbia Business School, they they actually hand out this book. Um, An Asher's Bible of Executive Resumes, the largest, I've never even used this word, compendium of executive resumes ever published. That's a great one to check out, too. He is the author of 12 books in all, available in English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Arabic, and Portuguese. He was named career mastermind by the award-winning web portal Quint Careers. He was recently named the first-ever career guru in residence at Tulane University. He has been an education columnist for MSN, um, U.S. Airways Magazine, uh, Wall Street Journals, Career Journal, College Journal, college.monster.com, monster.com, Career Builder, Wet Feet, The Dow Jones Managing Your Career magazine, National Business Employment Weekly, the San Francisco Chronicle, NACE Journal. Again, he's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Investor's Business Daily. By the way, you should all be reading Investor's Business Daily, Uh, New York Times, USA Today, Boston Globe, The Globe and Mail Canada, The Guardian in the UK, Salary.com, US News and World Report, Forbes, Fortune, Money Magazines and many, many more. Um, He earned his PhD in Human Development from Fielding Graduate University Felding Graduate University in Santa Barbara um, focusing on retirement for ambitious career focused people and holds a master's in human and organizational systems um, from Fel- Fielding. Am I saying that right? Fielding as well. Master of Human Resources and Organization Development from the University of San Francisco. Uh, again, we're just very lucky to have have Don on. He's helped so many PhDs. He's, he's been on with us many times before. He's always been great. Um, and he's a, he's a world-renowned speaker and, and again, uh, just a Master in all of these different fields. He speaks 150 times per year, including a recent lecture in recent lecture tours in Canada, Mexico, India, China, South Korea, Morocco, Ireland, and Germany. And this is my favorite part. Wait, he says he lives in Cape Cod and in Reno, Nevada, two amazing places. And he is American Airlines seat 3A. So that means he's traveled so much that he has his own seat on American (laughs) Airlines. Very cool. It's very up in the air. He's very George Clooney. So Don, great to be on. Thank you for joining us. I say thanks
1: so much. I'm really excited to be with your group. I love, love your participants. I really do.
0: Thank you. And for those of you listening, if you haven't said hi to Don yet, please tell him hi in the chat box and congratulate him again on his PhD. So so Don, you you, you heard the intro and some of the data that we went through. We're dealing with uh, a lot of people who have been in academia their whole life trying to get their first job. When they actually get their first job offer, they see so many zeros compared to what they're getting as a you know PhD stipend that they don't really think they should negotiate. So I I wanted to start with kind of the mindset. Why should they, why is it actually beneficial for them to negotiate in terms of the employer's point of view of them and in terms of just their overall career and salary trajectory? Well, first, let me
1: compliment you on your data that I watched. uh, I saw the whole first part of your show and that is really top data. That's really nicely done, nicely collected. Um, And so to show the difference at a million bucks, I think is even underestimating it because let's face it, the woman is gonna the woman that was paid more is going to save some of that money. And so then you have the compounding interest. So it's way more than a million dollars because it's a million dollars in direct compensation. But by the time you manage that money a little bit, it's way more. Hmm. So I'm excited about your data. Uh, so the concept is why should you negotiate with employers for that first job after you walk away from the PhD world and the academic world? And the answer is because if you don't, they actually reduce their conception of your skill set. This is proven. So if you don't ask for more money, even if they don't give it to you, if you don't ask for it, the boss will think that she has overestimated your skill set after all. Hmm. So even a soft push puts you in the category of being somebody who is a player, who's, who's coming to make contributions. So you have to ask. It's just part of signaling that you are going to be
0: a high value employee. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. And you've heard us reiterate this, and it was straight from Don. For all of you, you must negotiate. And and Don mentioned a soft ask. And I wanted to turn to that next, because the thing that we've seen help more PhDs, I guess, test the waters of negotiation, almost a very safe way, is something you brought up. And it's the first time I, I heard about it, and it's, it's actually, it's changed my uh, business career uh, dramatically, Is is asking an open-ended question. Can you talk a little bit about that and some ways to bring that up and even some key phrases about how you bring up that open-ended question?
1: Well, first of all, I say, I think we have to point out that they should not negotiate before they get an offer because I'm a little worried that they'll start negotiating, that listeners will negotiate before they have an offer. So it's absolutely critical that, that prior to getting an actual offer, that they're extraordinarily vague about what their salary requirements are, incredibly vague. But in the actual, we're offering you a position, or you going to accept or decline? That's when you negotiate. And the reason is because of power. Hmm. Now, up until you get a job offer, you don't have any power. The boss has all the power. The organization has all the power. But the minute that they offer you the position, suddenly, wow, you've got the power. And you only have it until you say yes or no. So you negotiate in that window of time, and that's the only time that you negotiate. So a soft ask would look like this to answer your question. So they make an offer, they name a number and you say, wow, I really love this company, uh, but can we talk about the salary? Is there any way to move that around? What could we do? My favorite negotiating sentence is so simple. It's what can we do? It's very vague. It puts both of you on the same side of the problem. So Mm. instead of saying I you're saying we, What can we do? What can we do to move the salary? Is it possible that we can move the salary up and what would that look like? All of that's very vague, very qualified, uh, but it puts you and the recruiter, you and the hiring officer on the same side of the problem. And the problem, of course, is
0: you want the salary to be high, if possible. That's fantastic. Yeah, so just to recap what Don's saying there, and he's absolutely right. Don't ever bring up a number until you get an offer. And we've had this happen so many times. If you search some of the threads in, a, in the private group for you associates, you will see cases where somebody says, I gave a number already before watching Don Asher's video. What do I do? Very, very difficult to come back from that, right? And it's, there's, it's, just, it's almost impossible. It can be done, but it's very, very hard. So just wait, be vague. Like we talked about earlier, don't mention that you even get a salary, you're on a stipend, you're on a fellowship. Talk about it monthly as a monthly reimbursement from the government, right? Just punt, we call it punting back to them. And remember, rely on the fact that you're a student. Just, you know, playing dumb can be smart. You can say, well, I've never worked in industry. You, you know a little bit more about this. You know, I, I defer to you in terms of what a good starting salary is. Any reasonable offer will be considered, et cetera. These are all from Don and from the training. Uh, get that first offer and then asking this open ended question. And I, and I love what Don just said too what can we do, right? It's teamwork, it has to be win-win. Um, that's something that it might be good to talk about too, Don, is as PhDs, once they start understanding how negotiation works, we're very competitive, such as we all, all, all are, right? Um, and we wanna like get everything we can. What's a good way to leave it on a good note with win-win? Like you ask an open-ended question, they come back with five, $10,000 more for the salaries that you know, we're seeing here. Um, and I, we'll, we can talk more about how to do sal, you know, salary first and then benefits. But what are the, some of the things you do early on to set it up for a win-win, such as what you just said, tying them together with we?
1: Well, when they, they might say, well, what are, you, what are you asking for? And so I've got a whole series of really vague ways to keep pushing without naming a number. Uh, and so you're actually negotiating. They name a number and you say, well, you know, I was really hoping that it could be higher. What can we do? Um, and they may say, well, what did you have in mind? And then you say, well, what's possible? Uh-huh. So there's a whole, you really have to do these lines. You have to learn these lines. Um, and so you can also do the classic, you know, um, you know let's talk about the, the person you hired that you made the highest offer to this year for this category of, of employment. Can you tell me more about that person and why you gave them the highest offer? And wow. then you basically argue yourself into that skill set. Say, well, I have that skill set that you made the highest offer to so is it, you know how could we work on my salary so it looks more like their salary so there's these lines though you have to practice them and this is the problem with really smart people really smart people are ready to take a test on how to negotiate <laughs> but see this is this is theater and the thing about theater, and it's, all, it's a between cognition and behavior, of course. And the problem with really smart people is they learn the lines right away, but they don't practice them. So they're not natural. They don't flow off their tongue easily. So mm-hmm. on these negotiated lines or negotiating lines, I would recommend that someone sit down with a trusted friend or a spouse and just walk through this over and over and over again. I'm going to give you 85000 Okay, that's great. I really love the company. I really like the group. I kind of had in mind uh, more than that. I did see uh, when I did my research that positions like this uh, c- can pay more. What can we do about the salary? And so you just, but again, I say it, it's, it's the lines. That's part of it. The other part of it, there's a difference between cognition and behavior. They have to practice the behavior. It's like rehearsing for the play. No matter how smart the actor is, you don't get
0: out of rehearsals. That's so great. And uh, again, cognition versus behavior. You heard this from somebody we were talking to about interviews on a previous radio show was practicing the behavioral end you can only get that through pat practice whether it's you know calling up a couple of other associates and practicing on a virtual you know uh meetup whether it's going to a cheeky meetup these things really really matter you think and i'm the same way i'm like i got this logically it makes sense comprehensive uh you know i can comprehend material very very easily but then you get out there and you try to do it in a high pressure situation you're just like Uh, you don't really know how to break yeah. it up, right? You get tongue tied. you got to practice. You choke, you can choke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, uh, that's, that's great. Um, well, I think one thing that people have a hard time with too is like the sequence. So you ask the open-ended question, and we, we've seen this again in the group so many times, they come back right away, Five, ten thousand $10,000 more. Um, where do you go from there in terms of, we've, we've heard a lot of different strategies. We've heard you know appealing to a higher authority, bracketing, Um, starting with the salary first versus the benefits can you walk us through kind of a I guess as prototypical as you can for somebody getting into their first industry level job um, right out of academia to PhD let's say you know right around the 80 to 120 thousand dollar per year level what what would that look like
1: sure so uh, you know the difference between a base and bonus is extraordinarily important um, so it, what what employers will do is try to distract you when you, you're trying to negotiate base. And so you, you know, they say, I'm just going to use uh, uh, 90,000 as a number. So they, they offer you 90, and uh, you, you say something about wanting more, and they say, well, we could give you a, a, you know, a bonus, a signing bonus of 5,000. That 5,000 has no real value because in the long run of a career, that 5,000 disappears like a, a, a drop of water in a bucket. Uh, and so you you have to not be distracted by anything but base until you s- settle base. Mm-hmm. And it's worth taking your time, not being in a hurry. Uh, also silence is a negotiating technique that's important for people to get comfortable with silence. You say, gosh, uh, you know, I really like that. Keep selling into the close. You do keep reminding them of your skill set your contributions, your enthusiasm as you're negotiating. But sometimes you need to be able to just let silence sit there in the room and take up a lot of psychic space where you say, What can we do? And and it's <laughs> this is theatrical, but you know, sometimes if there's a window, walk over to the window and stare out into the distance. <laughs> 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 that when you get to the, the big the big lease, we we actually do some of that stuff. Mm. Uh, but you have to negotiate base until you get it as high as you can. And then when you get done negotiating base and it'll look like this, you know, maybe they start out moving 7,000 bucks when they start moving at 1000 or 500 bucks at a move. Then you're very close to as far as they're going to go. And then, then and only then is it is it possible to ask kind of a guess no question. Is there anything we can do to make this base higher. That's when you ask a yes no question when you feel that they're at the end. Now I want to bring this up because it comes up sometimes. If they look like they're getting agitated or mad, hmm. um, then you you kind of uh, throw a little water on the on the interaction by saying something like, oh, "Well, you know, I, I I don't want to be too pushy. I'm just trying to see what's possible. Uh, so you know, I don't want you to think that that uh, that I'm not enthusiastic about the opportunity. I'm very enthusiastic about the opportunity." But then you probably need to stop negotiating for base. Okay, if they get if you can see them visibly getting hot about it. Now, let's say you did your best at base, then you look at them as if everything in the world was absolutely normal. And you say, well, this is great. I'm glad we've established that the base will be 98. Uh, What will my signing bonus be? Now, don't say, is there a signing bonus? Just say, what will my signing bonus be? and if they say we don't give signing bonuses you say oh my gosh that's a real surprise We're giving truck driver signing bonuses in tulsa right now and that signing bonus is 5k so i I just assumed there would be a signing bonus now signing bonuses can be big i say they can be as big as fifteen thousand dollars so when they name a signing bonus you say oh that's great i really appreciate it is there you know what can we do to make that you know higher um, you know, and under what circumstances in the past have you given a higher signing bonus? Um, and so you go for signing bonus next. And then, then we're running into an industrial difference and, a, and actually, of all things, a coastal difference. Mm. If you're on the West Coast, you then say, what are my opportunities for equity participation? If you're on the East Coast, that's a more unusual question. Uh, but it's absolutely okay to simply say, what are my opportunities for equity participation? That's stock options and stock grants. Uh, and so if you get a chance to, to participate on these, you need to be sophisticated. 10,000 times one is, is, is not much, especially if we're talking pennies. So it's not the number of stocks. It's the stock's value and whether it's trending up or down. And the difference between grants and an option stock grants, you're going to get something. Stock options only have value if the stock goes up. Mm. So um, you need to understand these things. So uh, so equity participation, and then I teach people. I, 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 it's, I don't know how else to put it. It's almost like a, a little bit of a trick at the end. Uh, then you say, you know, when I go to Dallas, it's going to be a new city to me. I wonder if the company could put me up uh, in a corporate apartment for a while, maybe 90 or 180 days, just so I can get the lay of the land before I have to make a commitment to a a, a condo or a townhome. And it's shocking how often they will say yes to this, Um, which also brings up relocation allowances. If they give a signing bonus, they usually don't give a relocation allowance, Uh, but it's absolutely okay to ask them, you know, what kind of relocation assistance is available. And the relocation assistance, there's a key difference between unrestricted and, and the normal relocation allowance. So if they give you a relocation allowance of $10,000, but you have to produce receipts for it, you're gonna to have to rent a U-Haul and produce that little receipt. But if it's unrestricted, it's just a signing bonus from a different account. And that's why you do the signing bonus first, then the relocation allowance, and then the corporate apartment. I'm sorry, I messed up the order a, a tiny bit. No, that's perfect. And then when you're done with all that, then you bring up special circumstances. You might say I'm orthodox. I have to be home before dark on Fridays. And they cannot deny you that because it's a religious uh, restriction. And so that comes up last because it's too late for them to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other things that look like this are, uh, my sister's getting married in Hawaii in September. Everyone's gonna be there for a week. I just need to know that that's not gonna be a problem. Uh, other special circumstances uh, might be uh, vacation. Uh, for example, if your spouse is European, they they start uh, with three and four weeks vacation day one. And so you say, well, you know, my spouse is European. I want to stay married. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need a month off. I hope that's not a problem. But all that special circumstances stuff, if you bring it up earlier, they make you pay for it by taking money out of your base, taking money out of your uh, uh, your, your your bonus and etc. So yeah. at the entry level, I've covered all the basics. If you're a little more senior, you can do benchmark bonuses and benchmark bonuses are ways of solving problems when you're far apart, they want to offer 200k and you're used to earning 400k benchmark
0: bonuses can bridge that gap rather easily. Is that useful? incredibly useful. Yeah. So what he means by benchmark bonuses, for example, is if you hit a certain number or KPI or quota or result, you're going to get, you're for sure guaranteed to get a bonus or an increase in salary, et cetera. Yeah. And um, I, one question, I have a two troubleshooting questions I want to get to if we have time, but the one question I have is the final close. How do you make them happy at the end? Like you have, they've given you everything, you know, whether they've realized it or not. How do you leave it at the very, very end after you get the special circumstances? Anything? Is there something you say, something you do so that they're like, they put that aside and they're just excited to have you on?
1: Well, I, I, a couple of things. One thing is it depends on whether you're doing it in, in person or not. Yeah. And the best way to do these things is in person. So if I were trying to close a deal with a company that was less than 12-hour drive away, I'd get in my car and I'd drive there. Uh, at my own expense and at my own trouble. Just say, you know, I think I can be in your offices tomorrow at at, at two o'clock, and we can just walk through all this and take care of it. I'm working with a guy right now. He's in New York. He doesn't want to walk from one part of New York to another part of New York. And I'm like, the difference between doing this on the phone and doing this in person is so vast, I cannot understand why you would not do that. So Mm -hmm. you want to be there in person if it's possible at all. If it's not possible to do it in person, do it through Zoom or some other kind of uh, meeting where everybody's on. And here's the people you want involved. You want your recruiter, your line manager, and your HR officer. That's three people from the other side you want on your, on your, on your screen there. I'll say them again, your recruiter, your line manager, and your HR officer. And so that's so that you can just resolve everything all at once. Um, and if, if you have to, you can do it. Stepping down from there, and frankly, and you know this, a lot of this ends up being by email, but I would try to escalate every time, uh, at least to a conference call. So you get the terms, and if you're in there in person, you're writing them down as people say them, and then just turn the page around and say, is all of this what we just discussed? And they'll say yes, and then you say, okay, just sign right here. I just want a signature on this, and that is, in fact, an offer. Um, and So you can also send an email immediately upon concluding the negotiation. Just say, I'm going to send you an email that memorializes our discussions today. If there's anything wrong with what I send you, please let me know right away. And so you email them that. Uh, And then I know this is nerve wracking for people, but I kind of recommend you go home and sleep on it. Just say to them, look, I, I really appreciate this This is fantastic. This is what I had in mind. Remember to sell into the clothes. Uh, I really like the company, uh,
0: and I think it 's a very fair offer. I just want to sleep on it in the morning i 'll know, and then take it home and sleep on it fantastic so I mean th- those two tips right there, because most of us forget the very very ending um, are are crucial right so and you come off as even more professional. You show them what you have, what they 've done it'll make them feel good because it closes the loop for them too, believe it or not they 're not going to think like this is weird they 're going to say this is incredible. It actually means' he 's on board. It, they feel some, a sense of closure, and then you still get to sleep on it. So great stuff. Don, we have time for two quick questions. Vanessa has one, and then I'm going to ask the other. Just some troubleshooting things, and or I guess one's an objection, one's a troubleshooting thing. Vanessa, if you want to go first, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of activity in the, in the chat. I don't know if you can see that. But we have some questions about how does this pertain, and is it still relevant for other in Europe and internationally? Do you have yeah. any thoughts on
0: how yeah, it might
1: be different yeah there it, it is relevant to, uh, the soft push is relevant all over the world all over the world so that's not a problem at all in some countries they just the tradition is that they don't uh, change it anyway but a soft push is, a, is a, uh, relevant all over the world and everybody should do that no matter wh- whether they're in vietnam or russia uh, or poland they absolutely a soft push uh, thank you so much for the offer i very much appreciate it i just would like to know is it possible that the salary could be positive. Is there anything we can do about the salary to make it higher? And if they say no, then you have to take that home and, and that's where you're at. Uh, but all over the world, absolutely normal. Yeah, Let me just say, though, the language is really important. You know, the, the language we're talking about is win-win language all the way. Well, there's no ultimatum. There's never a demand. Yes. And that's what makes it okay all over the world.
0: Exactly. And again, we have a lot of people who w- might be tempted, and I just know you guys listening, to use that as an excuse. If you're in Europe, negotiate. Okay? <laughs> like I, I've worked for a couple of years in Germany, I mean, in London, et cetera. It is normal to negotiate salary in these places. I, I don't think Don's talking about some very special circumstances, very, very rare where you can't negotiate a, a higher salary using the strategies um, that Don has talked about, especially for international biotech international pharmaceutical companies, companies that we're talking about. And I should have made that kind of context clear to Don. Uh, So, you know, I don't think there's a circumstance that we've had yet come up in the association where it wasn't okay to apply these strategies that Don's talked about. Um, Important. Don, the the one obstacle to bring up, and I I mentioned it earlier, but a few people have brought it up in the group because it's it's just happened. Let's say they just got into our program or just watched your video. They gave a number (laughs) where they said, uh, verbally, a number sounds good. Is there any way to come back from that at all? Yeah, there
1: absolutely is. Um, first of all, the, the experienced recruiters will try to get someone to name a number. And, and remember, they do this all week. You're going to do it five times in your life. And so they, they're good at this. And so they'll badger you, paint you into a corner. You know, They'll, they'll even say, well, I need you to name a number. We can't move forward. Uh, they'll say all this stuff. And so you blurt out a number, let's say 65, and you've been living on a stipend that makes 65 look like a lot. Uh, and so now you said it. How do you come back from that? You always use this very simple line, you know, after our last meeting, I went and did some research. And here's what I've come up with. Uh, it looks like a more normal salary that will be significantly higher, don't name a number, and just say, you know, I don't think that that last number that I blurted out uh, is is accurate for this type of position. So. I'd like to reopen that uh, condition. And you don't have to do it right away. Let's say you blurt out 65, and you're still a candidate. Wait until you're negotiating salary. Just hold, just, just ignore the fact you said 65. And then you get in the room, or you get on the Zoom, and then it's coming up, and they say, and you'll start at 65, you say, well, actually, since i that meeting which was like you know three weeks ago i've done quite a bit of research and i think that number was premature that i said and i've done some research at salary.com glassdoor.com and and all these other places i found some advertisements for positions like this i may have paid for a salary review uh, which is actually worth doing um and then it seemed that a, a position like this would pay significantly more so i'd like to revisit that so absolutely never feel bound especially since the recruiters are are so skilled at making you blurt something out.
0: Yes. Wow, that was fantastic. And uh, I wish we would have had that advice earlier because he's absolutely right. The recruiters are tough and they'll very easily give you the kind of the cold, okay, if you don't give a number, we can't move forward. And uh, that puts us all in tough positions. So if you get there, you can come back from it. I really like that strategy. So Don, thank you so much. Please thank Don in the chat box. We love having him on. Don, you're in Las Vegas. I just got back from Las Vegas, a conference. You're in Vegas right now? Right this second. Amazing. Where are you staying at? The plaza. Nice. All right. Well, enjoy your time in Vegas. Thanks for coming on with us, Don. We really appreciate it. Really, really grateful. Thank you.
1: Always eager to meet with your people. Thanks, Don. Take care.
0: This takes us to the end of another Cheeky Scientist radio show. Thank you for tuning in. And remember to join us for our next live show which we stream on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube page every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just go to facebook.com forward slash mycheekyscientist to watch us live or go to our Cheeky Scientist YouTube page again every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to learn more about Cheeky Scientist, you can go to cheekyscientist.com. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.